Coming up on Studios America, Blaze TV's Jason Buttrell gives us a Marine's take on the Afghanistan situation. A new report says the Democrats' majority in the House may mercifully be put in jeopardy. And as Afghanistan fell to the Taliban in a heartbeat this weekend, President Joe Biden was nowhere to be found. We'll look at what he said when he finally surfaced today as we do Biden's Afghanistan failure. Stu does America. Hard to describe this past weekend. We did a show in Afghanistan last week at the end of the week and it was really, really bad. And somehow it got much, 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 much worse. And I was hit with a real emotional reaction to it all. In addition to just looking at the facts on the ground and reacting in horror. Part of this, I guess, is because 9-11 was a foundational event in the life of anyone that happens to be around my age. It happened when I was about 25. So, you know, I'm coming into somewhat adult awareness here. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't really f I was following politics before 9-11, but it, it, it changed things in a big way. And I think anyone who was engaged in politics around that time, it hits you in a weird way. When you think about it, we're going to 20 year anniversary of that event. And I was, first of all, just angry watching the events from this weekend, like real visceral anger. I was angry for all of the troops that served and sacrificed for this country. I was angry for all of the people who died on 9-11 and their families, that this is how this all ends. I was angry for all the blood and treasure that we've left on the battlefield over 20 years for this ending. I was angry for all the equipment and entire bases we've just handed over to the Taliban. At least if there was a long war, a civil war broke out and multiple years of firing back and forth at each other. Even if the Taliban won at the end, the Afghans would at least fire their ammunition. I mean, that would at least be something. Now we have a somewhat trained and well-equipped military working with the Taliban. You know, that's how this comes out, right? I was also really embarrassed, embarrassed for our country. Just a, a keen sense of embarrassment hit me all weekend. I was embarrassed that this could happen with America involved. This is the single worst catastrophe of mismanagement that I have witnessed from a U.S. president in my lifetime. I've never seen anything like this. You think Saigon was bad? I mean, that was a long time ago. But this is certainly on that level, and I think worse. Watch, look at this. I mean, this is just like, I, I don't even know how to describe this. There's people just sitting down at the airport. Do we have the sort of, uh, of the jet? People are hanging on to a jet as it goes down the runway. They're jumping on board, trying any way they can to get out of town. You think taking people off of a roof in a helicopter look bad? This is much, much, much worse. These are images that will sit with this country for a long freaking time. We also have, we have more from the airport. The airport was kind of a big disaster. Um, you see thousands and thousands of people. This is stuff that was picked up by satellites. Thousands of people jamming onto these planes. Their, their transport planes were filled by six and 700 people just sitting on the ground trying to get the hell out of this country because it all collapsed in days, even after they said it wouldn't. And then of course, in perhaps the just the biggest kick in the face of this entire thing we start 9 11 
with the famous horrible videos of people jumping to their deaths from the top of the towers as they were on fire. And then we see at the end of our 20 year engagement there in Afghanistan, this video with as the plane takes off from the airport, it's very hard to see unless you're looking very closely, but you can see people who were attached to the bottom of that plane falling off from the bottom to their death. It's I am a person who thinks Joe Biden sucks. I thought he sucked before this weekend. I've always thought he was terrible at everything he's done his entire life. This weekend took my breath away, even as a person who already believes that. And then how does the weekend end? With the Taliban. At, uh, inside the palace. Inside the palace. Taking over Kabul. Here's the, uh, here's the video of them reading from the Quran or singing from the Quran inside the presidential palace because the president ah, he had something to do apparently in one of the stands, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan. I would have picked Turkmenistan, obviously, but this does seem like a wonderful group. Glad they're going to have a country all to themselves. How did this happen? How did all of this happen? A lot of this happened because of this sort of Twitter length argument that basically goes like this. Uh, we've, this is our longest war. We need to get everybody home. Okay, that's not a policy. Having a long war, the length of the war, and I've made this point how many times to you guys? How many times have I said this? As this was all coming up, we said this a hundred times. Length of war is a dumb metric to judge a war. Just because it had a beginning date that was a long time ago, and today is a day that's a long time away from the beginning, does not mean that you just start doing crazy, ra irrational things. This is basically taking AOC's Twitter feed and turning it into a policy. This is what it looks like. Ah, uh, bring troops home. Bring home now. Don't, we, we, we've been there too long. Yeah, all those things can be true, but you, that's not a policy. You have to make sure that this, the entire country doesn't turn into a disaster, for the very least, for the people we still have there and the people who helped us. At the very least, even if the other people on the ground have to deal with their own nonsense, at some level, we have to be comfortable with that, I suppose. But come on. I mean, for example, could we not have kept a few thousand troops there to just guard the things that we had, that were ours, that we built? How about this? Could we just protect the air base that we built? Let me give you this. This is from the dispatch. Bagram Air, Air Base, the central hub of the Pentagon's military operations in Afghanistan for nearly two decades, also came under Taliban occupation. The site's prison hosts 5,000 Taliban and Islamic State inmates. Could we not have done something to at least keep the terrorist murderers who are beheading people from ISIS in prison? We couldn't come up with anything to make that happen even? Here we go. We have video of prisoners uh, from one of these uh, prisons running free. Does it look like two or three of them? No. I'll give you a hint, podcast listeners. It looks like thousands of people. Thousands of people who were convicted uh, and thrown in prison running free throughout the countryside. Good job, everybody. Bang up job. Seriously, this is going well. Look, there's plenty of blame to go around over the past 20 years. And that's what the Biden administration is going to try to do. They're going to try to put it all on Trump. And this whole thing is just embarrassing. Yes, there is blame to go around to everybody over the past 20 years. But there's no need to worry about whether Donald Trump 
would have been even worse in this situation because there is no even worse. Short of mistakenly hitting the remaining U.S. personnel at the airport with a bunker buster, this can't get worse. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000. Oh. Well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world. Great. And an Air Force. Mm. Against something like 75,000 Taliban. Yeah, so it should be easy, right? It is not inevitable. German intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. Mm. Is it? Can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not? That is not true. They did not. They didn't. Did not reach that conclusion. What is the level of confidence that they have that it will not collapse? The Afghan government and leadership has to come together. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government in place. The question is, will they generate the kind of cohesion to do it? Spoiler alert. It's hard to even describe how annoyed I am at this. By the way, that was a month ago, five or six weeks ago, actually, I think technically. This wasn't like when he was vice president in 2011, he made a statement like this. This is a few weeks ago. This is how completely unaware this administration is. They have absolutely no idea what they're doing. They're supposedly running this country and leading the free world with absolutely no awareness of any of the activities they are actually engaging in. They don't know what any of these things are going to do. They don't know when they spend money, they're going to get inflation. They don't know if the drawdown in Afghanistan is going to create a catastrophe in two days. They don't know that. That's how disconnected they were. Of course, Biden wants to make sure he's going to be held responsible. Watch. I made a commitment that when I made a mistake, I'd tell you. And I've made mistakes. And when I think I got it right, I'll say it. But I'll take responsibility for what I do and say. Do, are you? Are you really going to do that? Are you going to take responsibility? Are you going to answer to us? You don't have to worry about answering to us. Answer to the troops that fought. The people who died. The Afghans who helped us. By the way, this is, let me give you just some of the reaction. And I'm not going to give you any conservative reaction. First of all, you're going to get enough of that from me today. But you may have read a bunch of conservative stuff. Let me give you some mainstream media stuff today. This is from Politico. This is written by a journalist in Afghanistan. We thought the Americans would not ditch us, which seems to be the case right now. We could never have imagined and believed that this would happen. We could never imagine we could be betrayed so badly by the U.S. The feeling of betrayal. I dedicated my life to the American values. There was a lot of promise, a lot of assurance, a lot of talk about values, a lot of talk about progress, about rights, about women's rights, about freedom, about democracy. That all turned out to be hollow. Can you feel the embarrassment from this? It's not just conservatives saying this stuff. Here's CNN. Quote, Biden is presiding over a debacle entirely of his own making in Afghanistan, and one that has unfolded more swiftly than even the most dire prognostications. 
According to reporting by CNN, one U.S. intelligence assessment estimates that the Afghan capital in Kabul may be fully surrounded by the Taliban come September 11th and that it could fall shortly after that. It fell two days after that was written. Look at this headline from Politico. Clearly botched. Biden White House under assault on Afghanistan drawdown. Biden's foreign policy experience fails him as the Taliban sees Kabul far sooner than expected. How about this headline from The Atlantic? Biden's betrayal of Afghans will live in infamy. Yeah, it should live in infamy. And yet, what are we focused on in this country? What are we focused on here? Remember back when Kavanaugh was going through his confirmation and all the activists came out and their pretty little handmaid's tail outfits. Remember that really important point that you saw made over and over and over again and promoted over and over and over again by the media. Think about what's actually happening in Afghanistan. It's a theocratic regime. It's taking over. It's taking the rights from women. It's removing women in the workforce who are doctors and writers and putting them into some form of sexual servitude under some bizarre reading of a religious doctrine. This is the literal plot to A Handmaid's Tale. It is actually the storyline of A Handmaid's Tale. Where are the red cloaks now, guys? Were they rentals? How does this work exactly? Look at this. This is what's going on in... Uh, in Afghanistan right now, there are ads on the walls featuring women and they're out there painting over them because you're not supposed to see women anymore. They're going to disappear into uh, the memory. And there's going to be a lot of pretty well-educated Afghan women who aren't allowed to go outside. So that's working out well. Joe Biden finally did come out of his hole and decided to talk about this after basically hiding. Jen Psaki's on vacation. He was on vacation too, but he came back early to give you this drivel. Let me give you a few highlights from Biden's speech from just a little while ago. I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. That's why we're still there. We were clear-eyed about the risks. We plan for every contingency, but I always promise the American people that I will be straight with you. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure did. Uh, you've been around too long. You've learned the hard way. You haven't learned anything. You've learned nothing. You've learned zilch. And it's pathetic. The only thing the guy's learned is how to blame Donald Trump, which is what he spent half the speech doing. When I came into office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under his agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May 1, 2021, just a little over three months after I took office. U.S. forces had already drawn down during the Trump administration from roughly 15,500 American forces to 2,500 troops in country. And the Taliban was at its strongest militarily since 2001. Excuse making, obviously, trying to pass the blame to Trump. He knows the media will take the bait on that one. Uh, look, we were critical of some of the things that went on with this arrangement uh, under Donald Trump as well. 
Uh, we've said it many, many times. I don't care who the president is. I have much more loyalty to the troops than I do any president. And I don't think that this uh, negotiating with the Taliban was ever a good idea. Uh, but do I think this could have possibly happened with Donald Trump as president in, unfolding in this way? No, no, there's no way. There's no way Donald Trump would have allowed this to happen. Uh, out of just pure, pure personal pride, he would have done something to make sure uh, that this did not unfold this way. I mean, could you get anything in these negotiations? Was the negotiations basically they get to do whatever we want and we won't do anything about it? It doesn't make any sense. Biden tried to kind of rework and reframe what we're doing here, saying that initially uh, we went in just for uh, Osama bin Laden and we did that. And now uh, we're, we have a new mission in mind. Let me lay out the current mission in Afghanistan. I was asked to authorize, and I did, 6,000 U.S. troops to deploy to Afghanistan for the purpose of assisting in the departure of U.S. and allied civilian personnel from Afghanistan and to evacuate our Afghan allies and vulnerable Afghans to safety outside of Afghanistan. I mean, you could make an argument, maybe, uh, that uh, what we're doing now is um, it was a reaction that we had some planning for, right? We had some troops in the area to go get these people out. But this is a, a massive catastrophe for Biden. He's trying to spin this somehow as a win. Uh, and this is just embarrassing. Watch. I made a commitment to the American people when I ran for president mm -hmm. that I would bring America's military involvement in Afghanistan to an end. While it's been hard and messy, and yes, far from perfect. I've honored that commitment. <laughs> yeah. To who? How many commitments did you break in honoring that commitment? Just, I mean, I, the fact that this guy's trying to spin this thing as a W is quite amazing. Importantly, Joe Biden spent a lot of time defending the general decision of not fighting forever, of you know, bringing our troops home. Eventually, we want to get our troops home. But at no point did he really address why this particular withdrawal was so incompetently uh, done. Now, he didn't spend time on that because it's indefensible. It's catastrophic in every single way, and he knows it. Biden has been president for less than a year. We've set records in spending. We have skyrocketing inflation. Our 20-year effort in Afghanistan has disintegrated under his watch in a catastrophe that no one could even have predicted the last time I did a show, which was Friday. There have been some successes over the past 20 years, sure. Plenty of failures as well. Blame can be spread around for some of that. But what Biden did today was to say the buck stops here and then do the opposite. He blamed everyone else for his unthinkable failures. As I said, I'm a guy who comes into this thinking Joe Biden is a terrible president. But even I am blown away as to what a catastrophe this is. And the only way to stop it is to beat him and his disaster of a party into the ground at the polls, at the voting booth. 2022 and 2024 can't come soon enough. Let's say you were a translator that was helping the U.S. military in Afghanistan over the past 20 years. You might be looking for a new home. If you are, you probably want to go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place for translators and uh, American uh, citizens that have been here their entire lives alike. Why? Well, the real estate market can be difficult. 
And especially right now, it's hard. You don't want to overspend just because the, uh, the market is hot. Realestateagentsitrust.com is Glenn's company. And what he did was say, hey, let's, let's go screen some of these guys. I mean, a real estate agent is a really important job. You might want to have a really good agent. Let's have something that screens through the agents, gives you the good ones, the best agents in your area. You can get them at realestateagentsitrust.com. Get more information there, realestateagentsitrust.com. Don't overpay for a house just because the market's hot. Don't sell for too low of a price because right now you can get a lot for your homes. realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Blaze TV's Jason Buttrell has spent the day bouncing from show to show getting pissed off. So we thought, <laughs> let's bring him on our program and have him get pissed off here, too. Jason, welcome to the program. Thank you. I mean, there's a lot of venting that needs to be done, yeah. and Blaze TV has provided for me today. So yes. Great. It's, uh, it's, at, least it's, at least that's still here for the moment. We'll see when we get shut yeah. down. Um, I, I was surprised this weekend, as I was watching all this go down, how pissed off I was. And I, I don't know exactly what it was. I mean, I, I kind of came into, I was 25, I guess, when 9-11 uh, happened. It's a foundational sort of forming event of my political awareness at some level. Uh, much more, though, for you. You were actually in the military when 9-11 happened, one of the first people into Afghanistan. Uh, what are you feeling today? Yeah, um, I was 22, uh, September 11th, and... Um, actually in Australia on shore leave at the time. We were training with Royal Marines there. And uh, we saw the towers come down from there. Uh, one of my, I, I hate, hated that I missed actually the country being united here at home. But um, I tell you what, there was nowhere else we'd rather be. Um, I've said this before, but I remember the commander on the boat when we got rounded back up and put on and headed off to the coast of Pakistan gave this speech where he was like, you know, men, you know, the, the day of infamy of our grandfathers and fathers, um, you know, December 7, 1941, that was their day of infamy. Um, and he said, the world will come to know that September 11, 2001 is your day of infamy. And that's exactly how we felt. You can imagine after that speech, we were mm -hmm. ready to go. Um, I got word, uh, advance word before the first tomahawks hit Afghanistan. Uh, we all, it was at night, we went up to the flight deck and we saw the tomahawks hit and there was much you know, jubilation. Um, we believed that we had a, you know, a clear goal, a clear mission. And I'm one of the lucky ones, you know, we, we did. We had a clear goal and a clear mission. It was to topple the Taliban and to shatter Al Qaeda. And we pretty much did that. Um, the culmination being Osama bin Laden's death, and yes, the Taliban was kicked out of uh, Kabul and a new government was established. After that, I remember leaving, looking into the faces of the people that were the occupation force, and they did not have that goal. Uh, that's about the point where everyone was questioning what the hell we were doing there. Uh, were they there to train an army? Were they there to what? You know, that, that was never really defined. I think there's two things that can be uh, argued, uh, very legitimate arguments. Um, one argument is, you know, we do not want forever wars. We wanted to bring our troops home. Yes, uh, it seems that both the Biden administration and the Trump administration both believe that. But you can also make the argument for this was done very, very, very badly. And it's infuriating because, you know, even though we didn't have the mission, uh, you know, the occupation force didn't ha know really what they were supposed to be doing. They were doing it with the, with the full trust and faith in the government that the, their, you know, brothers and sisters that were dying over there by an army that they were training, they'd get shot in the back. You'd see it in, you know, news reports every once in a while, eventually just tapered off and died out. 
Um, but that was what was happening. So if you asked anybody on the ground, if you asked a troop on the ground, they'd be like, this is not a military that can defend this country. It's just not. So I don't know where the disconnect was during all of this. Who was lying? And that's what I want to know now, because what you what the way it was handled, it was the largest dishonor to the military that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Not only the military, but the country as a whole. I mean, that's probably why I'm so angry. Yeah. What a dishonor, not even for the people that died there, but also for the people that served there and came back because we had this faith that we it was going to be for something. But all that is now moot at this point. Yeah, because I had a combination of em- embarrassment and anger watching the way that this all went down. Uh, let me go to the Biden statement from today. I was not, I was not impressed uh, by uh, what, he, what he said. Um, but his defense, if, for what he made at least of a defense, sort of revolved around this idea that we, we went there and we did what we had to do. We, we, we accomplished our mission and uh, we have to remember that. And you kind of address that as well. I mean, I feel weird saying this is a loss because who won then, right? I mean, the Taliban, yeah, they're back in control, but they're back in control of a country that's totally different. It took 20 years out of their reign. They would have been in control of. They are not set up uh, currently, at least for terrorist attacks and the things that they were doing. Most of the people who were in control back then are dead, right? So there was, we did accomplish things there, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like I said, we accomplished our mission, what we were trying to do. Um, Is that a fair defense? Because that's what Biden tries. The the, administration is leaning back on that and saying, look, what we went there initially for, we accomplished. We realized we can't do nation building. That's why we're leaving. Well, so did he clarify what we accomplished? Was it topple the Taliban and shatter al-Qaeda? Yes, we did do that. But then the point is, and something that his administration and people like Secretary Blinken were there as well, you know, from all throughout two terms of the Obama administration, which they were a part of, they continued on with what was this goal that they were trying to accomplish. So I'm 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 confused whether he's talking about what happened under the Bush administration or what Mm -hmm. proceeded to happen under two administrations that he was a part of when they were trying to nation build. Because Because that was not successful. Yeah, he basically, I mean, I would say he he was saying this initial idea of going and toppling the the Taliban, uh, taking out uh, Al-Qaeda, taking out Osama bin Laden. Yes, we did those things. I think what he tried to do over and over again was bring it back to this, uh, this idea of, generally speaking, the American people want their troops home. Generally speaking, we did that. Sure. But no one's disagreeing with that, right? No like the, the, that. the point here is how badly this was executed. Not right. that we have any, you know, that people want to leave. It was that it was executed terribly. Uh, yeah, um, I can't believe how bad this was bungled. And it doesn't matter. And I, I've, I was seeing this in his uh, remarks today as he's doubling down on the fact that this was something he inherited. This is something oh. that the Trump administration already put in place basically sounding like there's nothing that he they could do about it um and every time i've talked I've, I've been talking about this all day and it's getting around on twitter and stuff a ton of people that are trying to defend the defenseless in my opinion they're trying to defend what's what biden did and what's happening right now by saying by putting a quote where you know uh, donald trump saying that he's going to pull out by may 5th well you can do that like there's things that i can criticize off that like i said on the on the show with you and glenn uh, earlier that I, uh, I thought that the summer time frame was stupid. Mm-hmm. I thought they should have waited to the winter, non-fighting season. At that point, you buy some time for the Afghan government to try and solidify in the absence of U.S. troops so they can get ready. Now, when we took off, that time was prime fighting time. 
So, of course, they just rolled through. There was nothing to stop them. I have, I have some issues with that. But for one, we don't know what Trump's plan was, right? We, we, re we really do not know the inner workings of what he was putting in place to try and protect the Afghan uh, national government while the troops were gone. Now, I, I, have no, I find it very hard to believe that President Biden, you know, after making a spectacle on his inauguration day of just signing all these executive orders, knocking out every single thing the Trump mm -hmm. administration did, that the one thing he decided to keep right. was the Afghanistan strategy. Right. I haven't. I, I. I. I can't believe that. I'm sorry. I, I don't. But now you're willing to say that. Oh, you know, it's 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 all his fault. You know, it's, like, it's the same thing with the border. It's the exact same thing with the border. Those are one of those executive orders that they wiped out. Well, what happens? A federal judge just uh, what was that yesterday over the weekend? Um, just said that. Okay, no, you have to go back to the Remain in Mexico policy when they're you mm -hmm. know applying for asylum. Uh, yeah, that's one other screw up that we're now paying the uh, paying the consequences for. So if if seriously, if your defense is this is a tr this was Trump's plan and everything was proceeding as it was and Biden just accepted it, that's horse crap. We do not know what Trump's plan entailed. The one thing we do know is that they were going to be out by early May, which is something that the Biden administration changed. Yeah. The only thing we really know about his plan was that Biden changed it. Right. Uh, and then he act, he's acting now as if he was locked into this deal with, by the way, an organization that was not honoring their side of the deal. The Taliban was, yes, they were not attacking U.S. troops, but U.S. troops were not out and about all that much. They were at their bases. They were running over Afghan troops and uh, allowed this, this all, I mean, like, a sense, if you're going to make a deal with the Taliban, which, by the way, bad idea. You don't make deals with the Taliban because the Taliban's not going to honor them. But if they did honor them, you could at least make a deal and say, hey, look, you don't run over the country. You, you come and you, make you have negotiations and you come up with a, a way to go forward together as right. a sensible nation, right? Or we're here already and we're going to do something about it. You can make those arguments. You can't make the argument that, like, we're just going to leave and allow the Taliban to run, roll over everybody, kill people in the streets all over the place, and we're not going to do anything about it. We're right. just going to ignore it and act as if nothing was happening. Right. And their defense, what they're, they're in massive damage control right now. So mm -hmm. basically, this is their defense. And the duality of this is hilarious. So one, the defense is, oh, it's, it's something we inherited. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, but on the flip side of the coin, they're trying to blame the Afghan army. Now... You yeah. cannot have it both ways when literally about four weeks ago, you were saying that the Afghan army was ready for this. They yep. could take everything on. No problem. You know, it's not inevitable that they're going to get uh, knocked over. Uh, you can't have it both ways. Seriously, you, you can't. It's a problem that you received, but it was inevitable that, you know, if you followed along with this problem, that you know, it was going to be a catastrophe. Or... Oh, sorry. I, I guess somebody was wrong and the Afghan army wasn't. Like, are they saying somebody lied to them? Because I, yeah. I really want to know. Who was it? Was it the Joint Chiefs? Was it General Milley? Did he lie to President Biden? Was it the intelligence community? Did they lie to President Biden? Who was the one that lied about it? Or are they just incompetent? Either way, hmm. a lot of people need to be thrown in the towel today. L let me end with this. I think for most Americans, we look at this and we say, look, they got billions of dollars in equipment. They've got tons of training from obviously the best military in the world. Why the hell couldn't they defend themselves? Why were they so pathetic? And I will say that the, the words that rang, that, that connected with me, if any, out of the Biden speech were when he was saying, like, look, we, we did all this stuff. We gave them all this stuff. They had all the capabilities. They didn't even fight for themselves. What are we supposed to do? I mean, I think that does resonate with the American people, Democrat or Republican. 
Yeah, well, are they are they really these pathetic fighting force? No, they're not a pathetic fighting force. They're some of the fiercest warriors in the world. Uh, why, Afghan people. Why didn't they fight like it? Well, for one, it, it's a different culture. It's for the same reason that we can't go into I don't know. Uh, you know, we couldn't go into Iran and say, now we're setting up a Western-style democracy. It's not going to fly. It's not going to fly they in didn't Syria. Care about it's not going to fly in Iraq. Yeah, it's just the, they could give a crap about that. they got a certain way that they want to live, and it's culturally. Um, and we should respect that. That's why nation-building does not work. Mm-hmm. Now, you go into Afghanistan with a, with a nation that's incredibly tribal. Um, you're taking out young guys, young men, um, that for generations have been farmers or herders. Um, and you're telling them, no, now you live in Kabul and now you fight against this, uh, this, uh, you know, this force, which majority of them are also Afghans. Uh, okay. <laughs> and you also get this tiny little paycheck. Okay. And all these people, including your, your rival villagers are probably going to want to kill you. All right, then it's just with that right there. When you have a group of guys that are rolling down in crisp brand new Humvees and M16s. They're handing them right over because they just want to walk home and go home and do what they've been doing for generations. It's not the same culture. It's never going to work. Mm. Again, the prime reason why nation building does not work. Jason Buttrell, he's a head writer and researcher for all things Glenn Beck here at Ablaze TV and served our country in uh, Afghanistan. I appreciate your service, Jason, even though seemingly some people don't anymore. I I don't know. I I know most people do, though, and I hope you do realize that and, and, and the people you fought with because... We did do a lot of good things there, and, you know, I hate the way this is ending, and this is why I think I'm so pissed off about it. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, buddy. So internet giants like big tech uh, love to exploit your data by selling it to the highest bidder. That's why you got to use Startmail. Startmail, well, look, I've had, you ever, you ever go on like a, you know, I don't know, Gmail or Yahoo or one of these other services, and you're typing stuff in, and it seems to know all of the things you've typed before, seems to be able to finish your, your, your conversations for you. Does that make you feel good? How about when you're in the middle of typing something and you, had a, you have an email uh, that you wrote to someone about a particular product, and then it p- pops up in the ads inside of your email. Is that what you want? Startmail doesn't make that. That's not going to happen. It's keeping your email private. Uh, every email can be encrypted, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption, which is big. When you delete an email with Startmail, it's gone forever. You're not going to see it. It's gone. That's, that's like the concept here. The words mean things. Words mean things with Startmail. Delete means delete. With Startmail. Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon, uh, Amazon's or any of these other companies, so they're protected against all this crazy stuff going on. And switching to Startmail is really uh, easy and seamless. You can transfer all your current email data. There's no starting from scratch. Your cybersecurity has never been more at risk. Uh, email snoops and scammers are taking advantage of the pandemic, and phishing has skyrocketed. You need Startmail. Let me tell you about Start, Startmail and everything you'll get with them. You get 50% off your first year right now if you sign up. Go to startmail.com slash stew. Start with a T. Startmail.com slash stew. 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash stew. So there's a little bit of a legal showdown going down here in Texas right now. Governor Greg Abbott came out and said, hey, no more mask mandates. You can't do it in the state. If you're even on the local level, you can't have uh, your town or your schools have mask mandates. Now, of course, Texas, it, it's still a red state, but it's, it's got a little shading of purple in it. Uh, these elections are relatively close. You may remember, of course, Beto O'Rourke almost uh, coming in with two or three points of Ted Cruz in one of those elections from a few years ago. So there are a lot of liberal areas here. The cities are very liberal. 
the, there are a lot of uh, blue belts and spots throughout the country. And now we're seeing Dallas and San Antonio push back and try to sue to say, no, we should be able to locally uh, put on our mask mandates. Now, this is somewhat comical coming from the left, considering they always want top down control of everything. And they're a little upset now that they've got a, a Republican governor who is saying, no, you can't do all these things that you want to do. My gut is you've seen how wide ranging the governor's powers are in emergency situations like this. And as honestly, uh, as well with schools in particular. So I think these challenges will not win against uh, the statewide uh, restriction of mandates uh, here in Texas. And I think the same will go in Florida and other states where, where this uh, happens. I mean, I think long term, it's worth questioning whether the governor should have as much control over local communities as it seem, they seem to have. And, and I don't know if we want that as conservatives because the opposite happens a lot to us. We're the victims of this. Maybe just having local communities be able to control their communities more is a better thing. That being said, I know nobody out there wants another mask mandate, despite the fact that the, the times are a little uh, crazy right now. Texas definitely has some bad spots right now with uh, hospitalizations and such, and they've risen uh, relatively quickly. Uh, but that being said, uh, liberals should be excited about this. I mean, governor's basically, basically telling you what you can and can't do. And I thought that's what you guys wanted. Uh, now I guess the president has to do it. They have to just go. They never, they never say, well, people should have more control of their local communities. They go the other way and they're going to say, well, the president should just in implement it nationwide. We'll see how that works out. Uh, you know, and we, tomorrow we have some good stuff on uh, the California recall I want to get into. But why is there all this pushback against these big left wing blue state governors, these politicians who are who are putting these uh, restrictions on? I mean, they were popular at the beginning. Partially, it's because people are just getting sick of it, but it's partially just the hypocrisy. And a prime example of this obviously is Gavin Newsom uh, and Andrew Cuomo. But in addition to Lori Lightfoot and gosh, there's a lot of names I can come up with uh, here right now. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer for example. But Barack Obama's birthday party is an example of this. He says he's going to have 700 people there and everyone's like, wait a minute, you guys are saying we shouldn't even be able to get together. So they say, well, we're going to trim it down and it's, it's just going to be outside. And then everyone can see from the air that he's got giant tents built uh, all over his property is signifying this is not an outdoor event. First of all, it's basically an indoor event. It's inside of a tent. And secondarily, it's massive. But a lot of people are going to be there. But we couldn't see inside. We didn't know exactly what happened. Thankfully, we have Erica Badu. And the good thing about Erica Badu is apparently she was a celebrity at one point in the past. Uh, and the Obamas are so addicted to having celebrities around them, they invited lots of celebrities. Some of them are really dumb and don't listen to the directions. So here is Erica, Erica Badu uh, giving us a little picture of what it actually looked like inside the tent against restrictions. Watch. There she is. She's dancing. Oh, who's that behind her? It's Barry. It's Barry and Michelle. Basically, this looks like a freaking nightclub. And she tweeted this video with a big smile on her face. And isn't this great? However, that was not supposed to be done. So now she's deleted the video that we just showed you and uh, posted on Twitter an apology to the Obamas, which is so incredibly revealing. Here it is. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Obama, please forgive me for being the terrible guest at such a sacred event for your family. I was so inconsiderate. Thank you for all your love. What an example of how not to be Erica. See, she's apologizing because the only restriction for going to the Obama uh, birthday party 
was not a mask. It's not anything. The only restriction was don't let people see it. If you could stop people from seeing it, then we can say, oh, of course, we were all protected. Everybody was fine. Don't worry about it. Nothing bad could have happened here. But now they've shown the pictures of everybody inside a basically a nightclub under a tent, not wearing masks, all right near each other in the middle of the Delta variant. Hypocrisy is constant with these people. Back in a second. The Summer Bespoke Post is here to take your adventures to the next level with a new lineup of must-have Box of Awesome collections. What is Box of Awesome? Well, it's a box of awesome stuff. Uh, they partner with small businesses, emerging brands to bring you the most unique goods every single month. And we're talking about really cool stuff, no matter what you're into. Travel, outdoor gear, uh, cool clothing, grooming goods, all the stuff that guys love. Uh, but Box of Awesome puts them together. Usually stuff you've never heard of, maybe never tried. Maybe we're thinking, I'd like to try that, but... I don't know if I want to invest in an entire, like, you know, big bottle of it or, uh, you know, it might be too much. Box of Awesome gets all this stuff, gives it to you, and uh, they will hook you up with all sorts of other stuff as well. You can get a little quiz going at boxofawesome.com, answer some questions, and they will help you pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and it's free to sign up. You can uh, skip a month, uh, cancel any time. Each box only costs 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. And I've seen these boxes before. They say over $70 because that's the absolute minimum. Everyone I've seen has been way more than $70. It's a really good value. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code STU at checkout. Boxofawesome.com. Code is STU. You'll get 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com. The code is STU. StuDoesAmerica.com is the place to go to get anywhere in the Stu Does America universe uh, where we are constantly in a battle against the big tech algorithm robots. Please help me win that battle. I appreciate it. By the way, it shows on YouTube every single night. You can watch it there and comment live. This one comes in from Jesse about the Biden Afghanistan situation. He says, Fuster Cluck, yes, I said that correctly, Fuster Cluck is the appropriate term for Biden's foreign policy. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much true. I might change a couple of letters there, but other than that, it's pretty much right. Uh, we also get this review. You can always review the show on uh, wherever you're, of course, uh, getting your podcast. Apple Podcasts is one place you can go. That's where this one came in. Five stars, of course, because five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Best stupidest show. If this is a stupid show, I would like a frontal lobotomy for Christmas. Wait, I'm slowly getting one from the Biden regime. It's true. Five freaking stars. We do appreciate your reviews so much. Back in just a second. <laughs> okay, so, so here's what happened. Guy goes into a jewelry store, starts robbing the jewelry store, fills up bag after bag after bag. Nobody stops him. He puts in, in these bags between 2.4 and $3.5 million of jewelry and walks out of the store, gets on a little green electric scooter and goes down the street. And shockingly, nobody stops him. How does this happen? Well, apparently this entire shopping district, everybody from all these stores was across the street in an optometrist office. Why would that happen? Well, the reason, I mean, you can fill it in now. Now I've given you too much of the story, of course, Jean-Claude Van Damme was at the optometrist and everyone was over there trying to meet him. <laughs> the 
this guy gets away with $2 million plus in jewelry. Now, they do have him in custody because they caught him on a camera eventually here. But I've said it once. I've said it a million times. Jewelry is temporary. The glory of meeting Time Cop is forever.